Welcome to Live Courageously podcast show number three of 2022. We're living in very challenging times, and it's because of that reality I chose the title of Live Courageously because that's been my conscious theme of my life for the last two years since the beginning of the pandemic in 2020. And as you know, the pandemic went on to shake the world, and for too, too long, the dominant response was and still is fear. Fear is a reaction, but courage is a choice. So I want to share a post as I start off the show from a good friend, Cleo, who shared with me about courage. There's six types of courage that she shared. One is physical courage to keep going with resiliency, balance, and awareness. The second kind is social courage to be yourself unapologetically. The third is moral courage, moral courage to doing the right thing, even when it's uncomfortable or unpopular. The, last, the fourth one is emotional courage, uh, feeling all your emotions, positive and negative, without guilt or attachment. The fifth is intellectual courage, to learn, unlearn, and relearn with an open and flexible mind. And the last one is spiritual courage, living with purpose and meaning through a heart-centered approach. And I think um, I, you know, I am basically, these capture the six types of courage that's needed to live a good life in these crazy times. And I am most of the people I'll introduce you onto this podcast show over the next uh, months uh, choose courage over fear. And they chose to not retreat from life, but to move forward in life and during COVID. When I began to plan to do this show, I created a list of about 40 courageous friends that I want to interview and have a conversation with and introduce to my audience. It's grown to 50 plus. You will definitely be inspired by my guests' stories. So let me introduce you today to a very, very special guest and a brother who has all those six types of courage and is an inspiration to me. G. Anthony Joseph is a, currently a working actor, a producer in television, feature film and stage in Hollywood, California. G. can currently be seen co-starring with two-time Emmy nominee John Lovitz in the Fox 2B Network movie release of Tales of a Fifth, Fifth Grade Robin Hood. He's also... Uh, to be seen soon in a TV pilot episode as the vigilante martial arts priest, Father Hammett. His other guests, and by the way, this is, I'm giving you the, um, the uh, abridged version of his credits, and then you're going to go, wow, I, what, imagine the long version. His other guest starring credits include the TV series American Family with S.A. Morales, uh, Edward J. Olmos, and director Gregory Nava. G. Anthony has received rave reviews in 2009 in the action thriller Contract Killers, which was filmed in Trinidad. And during his time off, and, and whatever that is for him, uh, G. Anthony is on stage performing Shakespeare's plays with the prestigious Shakespeare by the Sea. He did a three-month performance tour in 2004 and um, portraying the famous Puck in Midsummer's Night's a Dream. Recently in 2021, G. was on stage performing as Lord Stanley and Richard III and Richard II. Several films have been produced by G. Anthony, including and been distributed internationally, including The Eliminator with Michael Rooker, Contract Killers with Nick Mancuso, and Limbo with Brian Brown being the most recent. His film, Contract Killers, garnered a string of film festival awards, including Best Feature Film Award at the Orlando Film Festival. And he, G. was also honored with the Pioneer in Film Award for two earlier films, Men of Grey and Flight of the Ibis that he produced in his homeland of Trinidad and Tobago. And at the start of his uh, producing career in the 90s, he executive produced, produced and starred in the critical acclaim Men of Grey, the first two hour television movie of the week produced in Trinidad and Tobago. Men of Grey went on to win first place in the Pegasus Film Festival and received honorary mention at the Black Filmmakers Hall of Fame. Um, this was, their only note for G was that his fledging production company should shoot a follow-up version of the film and keep G as a lead. This was accomplished three years later in 1994 with the action adventure Men of Grey. Flight of the Ibis was released internationally as Crackdown. And recently, Flight of the Ibis was voted one of the top 10 best Caribbean films of all time. And now, G, if that's not enough, if you're not tired, I'm just tired reading some of his credits. But if that ain't enough, G has uh, recently been gearing up for a back-to-back -back slate of high-profile feature films, which include Men of Grey 3, Liberty in the Fires, a third and final installment of the Men of Grey series to be filmed in Trinidad. And I hope to be part of that with him. Oh, I won't hope, I will. Uh, other projects in development include a biographical television series 
based on the life of a well-known Trinidadian hero, also to be filmed in Trinidad. If that isn't enough, and like I said, you, you know, I, this is the abridged, the short version. Um, G. Anthony has been studying martial arts since the age of 11 in Baltimore, Maryland, after moving from the Caribbean island of uh, Trinidad and Tobago. His disciplines in the martial arts uh, included bando kickboxing, where he holds a third degree black belt, and a rare nine animal subsystem style, where he holds a sixth degree. He's also studied the weapons art of Kaylee, Escrima, and Shuto wrestling. He opened his first martial arts school that ran for over 18 years in Trinidad and in Long Beach, California. But, you know, all that, and, and that's a lot of accomplishment, but all that doesn't begin to capture what's special and powerful about G. G is old school in all the good ways old school stands for. I hope this interview will reveal his journey to success to you and some lessons that you can apply to your life. So let me welcome my good brother, G. Anthony. Welcome, brother. Welcome. Oh, my God. Did I pay you to say all of that? Oh, my gosh. John. You, you, you know, you didn't, but, but you know, uh, you have an incredible, uh, incredible history and background, and I've been honored to be part of it. And, and you know, for the audience who may not know, right now I'm wearing my Kung Fu Wusu jacket. This, this is the original jacket from when I was 17 years old and I was a junior instructor living in the South Bronx. It still fits me, G. Yeah, it does. And I'm honored to be wearing it in your in your honor. Well, you're, so, making, you're making me feel bad because I left mine inside. You know, oh, you look great, John. Thank you. Well, you're in the gym, so you you got the gym behind you. So I figured I had to, like, you know, I didn't want to come with nothing. So here we go. This is mine, man. Well, look, I asked you if you want in a formal setting in the living room or do you want me in the gym? And you said gym. So here I am. Yes. Well, it's the place you belong because it's such a, a big part of your life. And it's where you inspire so many people out of your gym today. Um, so I think it's the perfect setting for you, for G. Oh, um, John, but I want, I want to thank you so much for this honor of, um, of, of having, having me on your show. It's, uh, it's definitely a definite. I, and guess what, John? It's my first podcast interview. No, get out of here. Yes, it's my, I th I, yes, it's my first. So uh, now I'm afraid because, you know, uh, a few ah. years ago when I talked about G being old school, G was... Uh, a few years ago when we were in Trinidad, he talked that he wasn't on social media at all. He didn't use <laughs> social media. And then his beautiful daughter, Jamie, got him on social media and she created a monster. This boy, he's like Instagram nonstop. He's doing everything. He's embarrassing the rest of us. We can't even keep up with him. And now I'm afraid with this podcast is going to start a new thing for you, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you, John. Thank you so much. But hey, but you know my philosophy. You do it right or don't do it at all, you know? Yes, and, and I'm going to want you to go deeper with that philosophy. But, sure. you know, to, just to kick off the show, I always like to ask, especially the people who are my friends, if they remember where we first met, our first meeting that connected us. I don't know if you remember it. Yes, it was at the party that our late great friend, Jerry Wolf had. That is correct. Right? Am I right? Yes, you are correct. And at the time, you were looking for a line producer for a project in Trinidad. And this is the story I love because we had set up a string of meetings for line producers that coming week. And this was either Friday or Saturday before that week. And you were on the list and Jerry invited you to the party. And after my wife and I met you, we canceled the entire week. We never saw, <laughs> we never saw anybody. And Rhea said, that's the guy. And, we, and she was right. Well, I owe Rhea for that. But Rhea was, uh, is an amazing woman. And uh, th that, that meeting at that party opened up a, uh, a journey that I never knew and it was going to lead to that. Because, you know, the thing was, yeah, I was, gonna, I was interested in line producing. But that journey took us way past the idea of just line producing. And it took us into a relationship that is, uh, you know, made us both family. Absolutely. But I want to go back to you because you've had an amazing journey. So I'm going to share with the audience. Why don't you start your journey? You were born and, and grew up your, your early years in Trinidad. 
and mm -hmm. then came to Baltimore. So take us on your journey from growing up in Trinidad, living in Trinidad, and coming to Baltimore, and share some of that before we start uh, talking about all the things you've become uh, as you uh, aged up. Absolutely. Well, I, I was born in Trinidad. Um, my mom and dad were divorced when I was, um, I, I think, around eight or nine. And it was myself and my two sisters. So she wanted a better life. We were struggling in Trinidad. Very hard place to live for, for a, single, a single lady at that time. So this had to be in the late 60s. So my mother one day packed us all up um, on her own and went to Baltimore, Maryland, um, of all places. So here, we are, here I am, this Caribbean kid who's used to beaches and, you know, the coconut trees. And all of a sudden, boom, dropped into this urban, I mean, it was just like a whole new world, you know. And she, from that point, on her own, John, um, worked two jobs from from 8 in the morning until 4 or 5 in the evening. And then she came home, changed her clothes, did what she had to do, and went back to work for another job from 7 in the night until 1 to 2 in the morning, came home. And she did that for 5 to 7 years straight, John. She had a little shoebox that she would save her tips under the bed. During the day, it was a secretary. During the night, she was a waitress at the, uh, at the Holiday Inn in downtown Baltimore. And... Uh, that was actually the beginning of just watching my mother and the way she worked, having to see her do that. And that's all the training we needed as kids to go after all the things we wanted, you know. So she left Baltimore with my two sisters when I was about 16 or 17. And I started martial arts at 10. And I didn't want to go to Boulder to start over again because my dream was always to go back to Trinidad to open a martial arts school. So when she left, I was on my own. Um, I moved into an apartment on an avenue called Harlem Avenue in Baltimore. <laughs> All right. By myself, got a little place. I think it was 250 bucks a month. I had a dishwashing job and I, I drove. Um, I was a, like a, um, a, an assistant to a businessman in downtown Baltimore during the day. And then I also washed dishes in the evening. Did that for the rest of the years, got my last belt in the system when I was about 19. I was ready to go home too, John. Listen to this. I'm doing all my belts. I'm getting them one by one. I'm ready to go home to Trinidad. My last belt is all I need. And my teacher fails me. I was like, I have all my stuff packed up. I'm packed up at home, you're ready to go. And he failed me. I think I had to spend another six months a year making the corrections he wanted. And I think he did it purposely too. He said, you think you're going somewhere? You watch this, <laughs> you know? So I passed, got the final belt, went back to Trinidad. That's where I met my wife, Rhea. She was one of my first students. And then I taught over six, seven, 800 people, John, from 1980, 81 till um, I, I got another bug, which was Hollywood and acting. And then I came to Hollywood in around 1987, 88, after I got married, um, struggled for a very long time. And uh, so that's the kind of beginning from Trinidad to, to LA. You know, in, in those two pieces, I mean, it's a, a, a powerful story, but I think um, obviously you're just giving us a little bit, of, a, a small taste of it. But what would, you know, I hear different things, but what were the two fluences in you that gave you, you know, since the show is courage and live courageously, yes. what were the things, what were the two influences in your life, your, uh, your mother and martial arts that gave you the character to keep going, to overcome, to, to dream? What were those things and those two things that, that, that made that for you? You know, John, it's only when I look back, I have to think about these things, right? Because at, as you're growing up and you're going through it, you're only think, you're, you're watching your mother work and you're only thinking to, okay, well, if she can work that hard, surely I can do it. So it was really all about just accomplishing your goals. There was no complaining. I mean, my mother never complained, John, ever. I've never heard that woman complain, right? Mm -hmm. Never to herself, never to any friends she may have had, never to my dad, never to us. So it was always, it was almost, and it still is today, I hunker down, I do the work, 
and I don't, I don't really think about, okay, do I have courage? Do I have confidence? But when I look back, if I have to explain it to people, you gotta have confidence because the confidence is what gives you courage. And what gave me the confidence was that ability to be in martial arts, accomplish those goals, go back to Trinidad, open a school, see it be a success and saying, because of that confidence, I had the courage to go do that without thinking about it, right? It's like sometimes we sit down and we think too much about, okay, well, what do we need? Should we do this? Should we do that? And by the time you're done, it's like, it's, it, life is all over, man, right? But if we figure out that it's all about driving that confidence that drives you through everything. So if I had to pick one word, John, that's like the fuel and the gas that gases everything else and fuels that propulsion rocket fuel, then it would definitely be confidence. And, and you and you know, you and, and that's a, a really good point that you make, because, you know, in, in, we're in an era where um, people are given, unfortunately, you know, it's a, such entitlement and they're given trophies for nothing. So you're not going to get confidence if you really don't deserve confidence because you didn't accomplish anything. They just gave you a trophy, but you didn't you're not good at what you're doing. You're really not. And so unless you become good at it, that's when you get confidence because you're good. You know you're good. You but, built you did the work. Absolutely. But what drives that, John, is it's the work. It's right. the work that you have to put in. See what I'm saying? Absolutely. Right. And if you if you put in the work, that's what builds that character. That's what builds you, right? But if you're given stuff out just for being third or fourth or fifth on a team, then it's like, okay, well, that's okay too. No, that's not okay. I want to be, I don't want to be better than you are. I want to be the best that I can be, you know? Well, I know for myself, like, I mean, I, I started studying Kung Fu when I was 16 years old. Gee, I dropped out of high school at 15. I started studying um, Kung Fu at 16 and I studied for two years and became a junior instructor. And unfortunately I got injured and that kind of ended that phase of my life. But in those two years, a lot of the seeds of my character and my beliefs were planted in those two years because I was given yeah. uh, a mindset and a belief set about one, what I had to do, the, why you wanted to be the best you could be. Yeah. And you would put in the work to be your best. And I also had a thing of learning how to treat everybody with respect and honor. And so it created a, a, a belief system that got me through another phase of my life and living as a dropout in, in the Bronx. It, it, I, it took me in a path that I would have probably went down the wrong path if it wasn't for martial arts. So it was a gift for me and for you. Then you go at, at that young age, you live by yourself because yep. you have a dream. Then you follow your, your, your dream. You go back to Trinidad and you open up a school. What yep. was that like, man? You're a young, a young kid, you know, and then you go to eight, 800 students. Get out of here, man. How, how did that accomplish? Well, and, that and, and, and you know, when I think back about it and I didn't go to college, John, I didn't go to college. It was after high school and I just didn't want any more schooling, but I'll tell you what helped me. Um, because I had no business acumen, right? but I knew what I wanted to do. I had the drive to do what I wanted to do. When I went back to Trinidad, my, my father, my father, he said, I'm gonna take you up to a guy and you're gonna go there every weekend and you're gonna sit on his porch. And I sat on this guy's porch for a couple of years. His name was Val Rogers. He, he, he recently passed a couple of years ago. What an amazing man. And Val Rogers was a very, very good top businessman in Trinidad, right? Um, and he was with the Chamber of Commerce and he was dad's friend. So Val used to sit me down. He, he would go through all of these notes, right? Here are all of the things you need to do to run a, a business. Here is all the things that has to do with marketing. Here is what, how you see the results of marketing and how you don't. Here's how you test market something. And he did this and everything he said, I did for that school, right? Including opening the school, getting a building, doing demonstrations. I mean, John, I was all over the place in Trinidad. I was at all the schools giving demonstrations. I used to give shows at this big place called the GMP complex to attract more people to come. And here's the interesting thing, John, this school, you know how today they say location, location, location. This school was in the back 
way out of town, behind what in Trinidad they say God's back, in the middle of a neighborhood that really had not a whole lot of business surroundings. Zero foot traffic, John. Zero foot traffic. So all of that became because of word of mouth. Right up until 18 or 19 years where it was shut down, it was always word of mouth. Think about that. Well, let me ask you, how did you, who, who did you attract? What, and, and, and besides who did you attract, you obviously not only attracted and grew to that size, but you offered something that kept them. And, and what, what was it that brought them to you? And what did you give them? What was the, besides the martial arts training, and that's yeah. one piece, but there was also something else you gave them. Share some of that with us. Uh, it, it, exactly how I am now, John. Exactly what I'm, what I'm doing on this show with you. It was more than just martial arts. So definitely it was martial arts. It was Kung Fu, which was hardly ever done in Trinidad. It was a systemized form of Kung Fu too. You can see your progress. From the moment you walked in, I wanted you to be able to think that when you step out that door on day one, you can do something if somebody attacks you. And from that I built, but I also built, I let them know that you're, you're hardly ever going to get, get into a fight for the rest of your life. So the biggest thing you can learn in Kung Fu, it's about life, it's about living, it's about relationships, it's about understanding economics, it's about how you're going to live your, and these were kids, these were mostly kids. From, so I had from like five or six to about eight or nine, and then I had 10, 11, 12, 13, till 20, 25, 30 year olds. So I used to, depending on who, what class I had, I used to come in, John, sometimes with newspaper articles and clippings and books, and I would drop all the books down and I would say, okay, here are excerpts I read from this book. Here is a book I think you should read. And to this day, John, to this day, some of those students still find me and say, gee, you changed my life. You set me on a course and look at what I am today because of those classes. And, you know, so you see what I'm saying? Yeah, I'm, I'm about to put a picture up, G, and I'm going to have you share this, because when you talk about those students, um, I had the honor and privilege to meet some of those students. So I'm yeah. going to put a picture up. Take a look. Uh, you see the picture right here. <clears throat> That's uh, G and his uh, wife, Chin yeah. Chin Fat. Chin Fat, Tanya. I'll put it back up one more second. There you go. Yeah. So, Paul, Rie's there. You're there. <laughs> now, this, is, this was in the heat of summer in a hot, hot gym. And, you know, the great thing was G had told me that he was going to be teaching classes. We were going over. I was going over to help him scout for a movie. But he said he was going to teach classes while I was there. And because he told me that, I pulled out my kung fu jacket and I brought it with me. And I was like, I want to take one of these classes. So that class I took with you that night in that gym was the first time I had put this on since I was 17 years old. And it was one of the greatest experiences of my life, besides scouting for the movie, which was fantastic and being part of your family. But to hang with you and go through you teaching these students from uh, Trinidad and also being involved in that with you. So go ahead, share a little bit about that. But that, to me, was a highlight of my life. And that's interesting you bring that up because a, a lot of the main students are still with me privately. So we have a private group on WhatsApp, and we sh I continue to share things with them. They continue to go after their own personal development while coming on social media over the last two years. I have people finding me saying, gee, we've been looking for you for 25 years. <laughs> 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 you know, so if there's one good thing, I must say that social media has done its that, you know, to, to kind of bring people together and find people you might have been looking for. Well, I think, you know, one of the other your resistance to social media was valid because what you were resisting was all the negative of social media. And, and you, you know, you didn't you didn't like the negative and you didn't see the value of, the, of doing it because so much of it is negative. But I think what, you know, your daughter, uh, by getting you on gave you a platform to use the positive and spread your message and do your teaching. And I'm glad that you did because now you're able to reach so many more people and, and you're focused on the positive and giving all this powerful information to them. So good for you that you uh, jumped Thank into you. the fray with this. Thank you, John, very much, very, very much. 
So, uh, so tell us a little bit. So now I'm going to, I'm going to keep, there's a lot to cover, obviously. And we, and you know, your life is, uh, you know, it wasn't boring, that's for sure. So, <laughs> um, so from the point, you know, so you do the school, you, you do 18 years, you get 800 students, you're there, and then a new dream comes to you. And you mentioned it earlier, the acting, how did that come about, about, and then what did you do with it when it came about? What was your next step into that world? So when around 1986, 87, so the school is now open for six or seven years. Um, I'm talking to Rhea that I feel like I want to do something else. I see a Chuck Norris movie on TV and I go, oh, okay, maybe I can do that. <laughs> right? It was actually Chuck. I have a funny story too about a black Chuck Norris movie. I said, huh, I think I can do that. Maybe I think I can do that better. Well, God punished me for that. I'll tell you why. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right? So during that time, um, a, a good friend, a good student, and a great friend at that, at, at that time and still today, and he's still a great student in Paris and a fantastic fitness, was Brian Green. And yes. Brian introduced me. He, Brian was already into theater to a play with a, a wonderful man called Charles Applewhite. Charles auditioned me. I had no experience. I was learning under a fantastic teacher. I started taking lessons with Sonia Mose, who was teaching me about voice, about movement, about acting. I auditioned for this play called Hatway for a priest. I got the role of that play and was among some amazing talent. Um, uh, Bernard Hazel, Brian Green, Errol Blood Roberts. I mean, just a hooray. And Charles Applewhite was directing and that, and I got voted, there's a, there's a thing that happens every year in Trinidad for all the theater goers, a, a ceremony. And I got voted best newcomer for that year, right? And from that, a producer in the audience for the main station, Horace James, saw the show and decided to make the show into a TV movie. And he, so he casted most of the cast from the theater show, including me, and from that, he put me in another movie called Last Dance in the Sun with a beautiful Trinidad woman, Brenda Joy Fahey. Um, I don't know where she is today. And that's when I said Hollywood time. And I came to Hollywood in 87, 88. Um, and it was like starting over because we had to give, we had a nice apartment in Trinidad. The school is going well. But when you exchange the money, you ended up with less than like a thousand US because of the rate of exchange in Trinidad. And I come to LA of all places, didn't have credit. I mean, all this stuff. My mother had to, she was still here, drive down from Colorado, sign for us for this little apartment in a place in LA. And, um, and then the struggle started. No furniture for a while. Went back to working two jobs. Had a gas station job, John, from 11 at night till 6 in the morning. A day job from 8 or 9 in the day till 3 or 4 in the evening. Acting class from 7, 8 at night till 10, 11 at night. Drove back up to the gas station for that. Did that for five years straight, John. While pushing out for student films, independent films. You had to break down service, not break down. You had Backstage West where you had to fill out everything and do a physical picture and mail it every Thursday to make, right? That's how I started to build my credits. And that was the start of the whole industry. But here's the, here's the joke about Chuck Norris. So when I come to LA, I register for this extra work, right? So you know extras, they get paid like 40, 50 bucks back in the 80s. And one of the first movies I get called for as an extra is Chuck Norris movie, Hero in the Terror, to be like a prisoner, a prisoner extra, when he's walking through a prison. Oh, John, I was so excited. I get to pretend I was smoking, you know, that kind of stuff, right? And I tell all my friends and family, hero and the terrorists out, go see it. And they cut me out, John. <laughs> well, just to, match, just to match your story, and I know that must have hurt because you told everybody, right? John. That definitely hurt. So, when I came to Hollywood, and it's similar, I came with $100 in my pocket to start my life over again in 1991. And I was acting back at the time. And I was scrambling just like, you know, to survive that, that life survival, right? So yeah. I was doing extra work too. And the first extra job I got was they gave me as an extra, 
I was supposed to walk down the street and bump into Sharon Stone. And they, and, and, you know, I was at that point, I was like, she was at the top of her career. And I was like, oh my God, I get to bump into this beautiful woman. And they did it like 15 times, G. And I bumped into her, bumped into her. And I was like, this is cool, right? And of course, they cut it out of the movie. So no one ever got to see it. So, so, so we both had that moment that we never got to um, show on screen. But, it, you know. Oh gosh. But your thing, you know, once again, you know, like you said, you worked both jobs. You, you know, worked at the gas station. You know, whatever you call it, if you call it courage or you call it grit or you call it determination, it's just it, success isn't an overnight thing. It didn't happen. All the things that you've accomplished didn't happen easily. They happened because you had the, the never give it up uh, spirit. You just put in the work both to survive, but then to keep going with the dream, even yeah. though it was hard. It wasn't easy, but you yeah. kept going. And that yeah. I think that's the lessons for people that need to know more now than ever is you need that grit. You need that uh, never give up uh, spirit. Because it isn't easy and it's never and it shouldn't be easy because yeah. you get good because you don't give up. If you give up, then you, you don't deserve it anyway. So yeah. Tell us a little bit more about that. But it was a good test for me, John. And this, and I got to thank my wife for this, because remember, now I've built something of my own in the Caribbean. I'm doing well. And suddenly I come to L.A. I kind of didn't realize probably for the first time in my life what it would feel like to be at a loss in terms of not having anything all of a sudden. Because suddenly I realized the eight or $900 was nothing in LA. <laughs> couldn't get into apartment. We finally got in. We couldn't afford furniture. And I remember thinking to myself on the first Christmas, I, my wife came home with a Christmas tree. We put it down, a little one. We put down the center. At least we don't have to think about where to put it. That was, that was <laughs> the moment, right? In the middle of the living room. And I, I got to tell you, John, there were many times I cried. It was one of the first times in my life I, I wanted to go back home. Mm -hmm. But Ria was the one that said, gee, you, you, you got to keep pushing. You, you got to keep pushing. You know, and I'm, I'm really glad. Just to this day, just having her say something positive, if she sees, you know, like I may be having doubts in something, it, it's like I suddenly want to get up and move, and move a mountain to have her support you know and i never forgot those particular times you know it's so it's it's a remember it's, it's a reminder to everyone that we all have struggles we all have those moments right it's That's just right. to me it's like we get up our get up off our tails and we just do it that's right <laughs> right yeah well i think that's you know uh unfortunately people are being programmed not to do it and not to have that kind of uh determination and that grit to just get off and do it, you know, find a way, find a solution, you know, mm. you know, the idea that it's supposed to be easy in life, who gave you that idea? It, for most of us, it isn't. And, and, and that's just part of, it is what it is. So we, we find a way and that's what builds our strength. Those are uh, our courage builds our skills. And, yeah. and when we go forward with that. So, you know, it's, we shouldn't um, expect it to be, but that, and that's part of what your life has shown. And then you've done all the, you did all the acting. Uh, you know, I read a bunch of all the credits you have. And of course, you yeah. know, there's t a ton more. You did so much more. But yeah. at some point, then you pivoted again. And you pivoted to produce films. And you went from the acting side to the producing side. And you had another dream and another journey. Tell yeah. us about that next phase of your life. You know, you know everything about me. How the hell? You actually read. So <laughs> Oh, my goodness. <laughs> well... So, so here I am struggling in LA. I'm, I'm now getting independent films under my belt and student films from submitting to Backstage West, right? But I'm an agent, I'm doing all the right things. But some, you know, I always had this thing to be in control. I was like, I, I couldn't stand waiting for you. Back then it was either the, your phone to ring or... Uh, you know, whatever the communication method was, the G. Anthony would like you to come in for an audition. It was, it was like, there's got to be a way. And I remember, um, even though I don't do Bruce Lee's system, but I remember one of the things that stood out for me that Bruce said, that there was a quote from him a long time ago. And it said, um, I don't wait for opportunities, I create them. And it's one I always remember. And that kind of said, okay, 
how do you create opportunities so that you can be an actor all the time if you want it to be? Producing, right? You produce your own stuff. So I decided in that gas station, John, that I was going to be a writer, right? So my wife and I bought all these writing books, started to study about writing and what it takes. And that's where I sat down every night in that booth, John. And remember back then in those graveyard booths, it wasn't like it is today in Chevron where it's a big store. It was like this. You had enough room to go back, forward, side, side, grab cigarettes when people wanted it from behind, put right so you're on a chair with the cash register. It, it was almost like a little prison cell. Yeah. <laughs> right? So in graveyard shift at breaks, right, I started writing The First Men of Grey. And remember, I had already met Horace James, who casted me in the movie in Trinidad before I left. And Horace said, if you write that movie, I'll try and supply as much as I can from TTT and you come back and you'll make that movie. So I started going to production school college in LA besides the acting school. And what happened, this is an interesting story. I just remembered, John. And what happened was after about six months, I just, it, they weren't moving fast enough. I just felt something was, you know, the school just wasn't for me. And I walked into the dean's office and I said, if I make a movie, will you graduate me? Will I, can I get out of here three, four years early? And they all laughed. They all <laughs> laughed. Oh, yeah, right. Okay, I mean, really laughed. I said, okay, if I'm, I'm going to ask you again. If I make a movie, will you graduate? Sure, 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 whatever. So I got Rick Moxley, who had already casted me in a silent student film. We got a DP and my wife. Horace James said, are you ready? I said, yes. <laughs> There's Rick. There's Rick, right? There's my boy. And um, remind me to tell you about the audition he put me through to. And so, <laughs> so for his student film. So um, we had about $7,000 in savings by now, my wife and I, because she was also working a couple credit cards. We bought a Panasonic camera, video camera. Rick was great at lighting and directing and everything. I knew that because I already worked with him. And we went home and Horace James, TTT, Mr. Panton, all these guys came together at TTT to help us supply whatever other equipment we needed. And we shot this movie with a crew of three or four people, John, a whole movie. But here I am thinking, I'm thinking to myself, this is just my graduation project. That was it. So, and a lot of people texted me recently on Facebook and said, we didn't even realize this was a graduation project for you, G. Wow. So I handed it over to TTT before I left because that was the deal. So, and I took the- For the people who are listening, uh, Trinidad and Tobago. Trinidad and Tobago Television. Television. TTT, yeah. Came back to LA, handed it in, they graduated me, right? And then, but TTT released the movie in the Caribbean and Trinidad. And back then, John, it was faxes. And all of these faxes started coming through. That, that this one hour, uh, this 90-minute television movie is changing the face of the Caribbean. G. Anthony Joseph done. And I was just stunned. Like, what? I, I just did a graduation. I had no other, right? And they started talk about... Um, if you come back, how about if we do a part two and then I sent it to that festival and that's what they suggested. So now we have a child, John. We said, okay, you know what? The second one is not going to take long. We've got funders in place. Let's just put everything in storage for about four or five months in LA, go to Trinidad in 1991, around there now, shoot the movie and come back. John, it ended up taking seven years. Wow. All our stuff is still in storage. We're still paying monthly. We did finally get investors. We released the movie. It's the biggest thing throughout the Caribbean. And I just felt after that, like if I had done that in LA, John, I would have all of these accolades and be able to go do more movies. And I felt that having to do other projects, it was like starting over and I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. And now I have two kids and I'm looking at them enjoying Trinidad, the Caribbean, like how I was as a child. How am I going to take these two kids away from this now and go back to LA? And then about a year out, I told Ray, I said, I can't do this anymore. I got to go back to LA and go back to my 
acting career and all of that, you know? And we packed up again. And Richard Chinfat was there that morning when I went to the airport with my father, you know? A lot of tears, packed up again, came back to LA in 97, 98. And that's when I had this string of, this is it, I can't look back, gotta focus on my acting. And then the JAG and CBS and everything just started to happen one by one by one by one afterwards. And then, but you, you, you haven't, and, and, and you never will, because obviously from listening to you, and if anybody who doesn't know you, you're, you know, one thing, one quality, I would say, you, you'll never give up <laughs> when you have a dream. <laughs> yeah. nah. You don't nah. want, you don't want to, anybody doesn't want to get in your way because you ain't giving up and you ain't stopping, man. No, no, no. You know, and that's, that, that's a, a powerful thing to have, but I know, you know, you, you we went, um, and I'm going to throw up a picture on, on the multiple times to uh, Trinidad. Yes. And um, this is uh, with you and, and Richard and, and your wife on one of our trips together scouting. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it, you your plans to do the movies, and I read about the your plans to do the movies and the TV series. So I got a chance to go over there multiple times with you and, and scout. And um, before I, I, I want to go into some of that, I just want to have you tell for a moment, my first time coming over there, I get into the airport, it's late at night, they pick me up, G picks me up, and where does G take me? At, I don't know, 11 o'clock at night, I'm exhausted. Where, where do you take me, G? St. James for a roti. That's right. So <laughs> I'm out on the street of, of uh, Port-au-Prince <laughs> on St. James Street, uh, having my first uh, Trinidadian roti on oh the street. And... Uh, what a freaking blast. I mean, it was such a great experience. And that was the beginning of our uh, scout together and all this stuff. But you're, um, and we've had more roadies since then. But, you know, you you have a, a dream to get these films done, to get this TV series, all, all great uh, stories, great material. And then, of course, the plan got kicked to the side because of COVID. So yeah. obviously COVID hit and Trinidad shut down for two years. Yes, yes. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it just, I've shut the world down. Right. You no. Know? Um, but, you know, John, e even then, it was still about, okay, well, what now? It wasn't about sitting down, complaining, oh, my God, the industry shut down, what do I do, right? It was about, okay, what now, right? You, you, you adjust, you make, because worrying and thinking about it and, you know, well, well, now that the industry, what am I going to do? Right? It's just that doesn't help, right? If you meet an obstacle, to me, to me, if I meet an obstacle, it's about what now I'm trying to get around it or over it as quickly as you possibly can. And that's really it, John. I mean, there's really not a big science behind me when it comes to that. And maybe it's because of my upbringing, right? But I think if people do that more rather than sitting and worrying that things will get done faster for them. They'd be much happier, I think. I mean, so true, you know, and, and once again, and that, you know, the reason I did this show and, and have people yeah. like you on is to share that is because I saw during the last two years, so many people uh, retreat from life, go into fear, become afraid, not step forward and just be, be overwhelmed by what's going on in the world. Yeah, and I, you know, just, I, and we'll talk about some of the things you did. Sure. Um, but you know what, I did the same thing in in March of last year for for about a week or two. You know, I I was like overwhelmed by every like everybody else and feeling uh, fearful. And then I said, "That's it. I'm over it. I'm yeah. going out. I'm going to pivot. I'm going to find ways. I'll do anything and everything to get yeah. out in the world, work, be around people, do what it takes, work out, not be afraid." And I think that message was what people need to hear because. You know, we don't know what's coming at us next. Absolutely. But if you're afraid that you're, you're never going to have a good life if you're not willing to pivot and, and, and find courage and get out there and do whatever it takes to, to uh, if this ain't working, then do something else. Exactly. You know, exactly. and you did. I mean, you you expanded your martial arts stuff uh, during this period, training students and doing some amazing. And you're, a, you know, I mean, I, I hate you. I'm going to say that publicly. I hate <laughs> you, man. Because <laughs> this guy... You know, I work so hard. He has like 7% body fat. <laughs> no food. You know, I don't know how much you train. I, don't, I think you don't sleep. I think you train in the night. When the rest I of think you don't sleep. sleep. Yeah, definitely. But, but, you know, you're, you're a role model for health, 
and, and and during COVID in particular, the people who did everything to stay healthy to do that kind of stuff were putting themselves in the right position. And some people unfortunately didn't. But yeah. you 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 you're a model for that for your students and for people who see yourself. But this guy is one of the healthiest human beings. But it I doesn't know. happen magically. You put in the work, man. You know. So tell us a little bit about that journey, you know, and I'm gonna put up a picture of one of the pictures. There's so many great pictures of oh you, my gosh. you know, he's, he's punching the bag there. And, um, <laughs> and once again, 7% body fat. That's just wrong. That's just wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a, so tell me where you want me to start on that. You tell me. Any way you like, man, you, 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 you I'm going to, I'm going to let you go with this one. Well, here's the thing. The, the pivot that I made was, if you look at a lot of my TV shows on network, you'll, you'll ne you won't see martial arts. I purposely made that choice, right? When I started to break in, I did not want to be known as a martial artist. I wanted to be known as an actor first. And if somebody asks or sees me, gee, we didn't know you knew martial arts. A lot of people did not know, John, that that was my first love and I was still practicing. So during COVID, what I decided to do was to bring that at the forefront of my acting career too. That's the biggest change I made, right? So it would kind of expand the opportunities between, oh, wow, he's not just an actor, he's also a martial artist, and he's also been fitness, but it's not like a, a fitness fad. The guy has been doing this since he was 11 years old, you see, so that it brings another unique aspect that I made people aware of that was happening for my whole life. That was the biggest pivot for me. So if you notice, um, like the pilot in the pilot episode for one of the first times, you actually see me fighting. You see the little clip that I show as the priest, um, you see me doing martial arts, which is something I've never done. Let before. me see if I can show that right now. I think oh. this may, may be. Touch this. Sure. That's not it. Uh, do, 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 this. Who are you? Just the humble servant on a mission from God. Back to you. So, just, and I love that line, just a humble servant on a mission from God. Man. <laughs> right? So... So that was something I had never done before. I had never sent out for uh, all my agents or managers for martial arts stuff because I purposely didn't want to, right? So, but now I figured out, hey, here's a time to expand what I can do, let people know that I'm also doing this. And I think, I think it's working. Well, I think, you know, the, the two things, uh, <clears throat> you're right. And, and people, like I mentioned in the beginning, and I've had the uh, chance to see you in multiple uh, stage plays, um, a few Shakespearean, and I think I got a picture of another one that I'm not, I don't remember. You might remember exactly what your role was. Uh, this one right here, um, that was another play that I went and saw. That was uh, to a lovely director friend of mine. His name is John also. That was an updated version of Hamlet. I played Horatio. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, Send me that picture. I love that picture. I will. Yeah, that's the other side that, you know, um, being such a trained Shakespearean actor and I haven't seen you, the different roles that you have, it just blows my mind, you know, because the skill to do Shakespeare is, is uh, oh. you got to be on the top of your game to do uh -oh. uh, live Shakespearean theater. Uh, yeah. I know when I was acting, I was starting to study that. I couldn't get near that, Jay. My, you know, there was, there was no way I was going to get there. Uh, but, uh, you know, you did a great job with that. But like you said, but then you pivoted. So you have this acting. You, you clearly uh, built a career and, and um, a history of, of serious acting, including Shakespeare. Yeah. Thank but you. then you started to take COVID to, to uh, shift again and use yeah. your martial arts and jump into that with some of the roles. So I yeah. think that ability to pivot and always find a way that no matter what life throws at us, we'll find another way. You know, just because that ain't happening, that door is closing. Well, then let's find a new door. Exactly. Uh, and exactly. that's what you did, I think, during that, that last two years. And you've been acting a, a lot, probably a lot more because of yeah. that. And, and thanks to my daughter and my son for the, for the social media presence. That's when I said, okay, you know what? Because I couldn't, I couldn't get into 
why would people be interested a in what i'm doing b i don't care who knows as long as i know <laughs> right as long as i know what i'm doing i don't care what the world thinks right but then i realized john do, coming on and doing it how many people are saying gee you you just you you made me do this or you made me do that so if if it's one thing i appreciate now about social media it's in changing somebody's it's it's the ability to change somebody's direction or maybe their life you know yes indeed yeah. yes indeed um so you have that so you got acting you got uh, producing you got new project that those projects still on your agenda to go yeah. back to trinidad and do whenever yeah. the time is right so you have that going on um Anything else that, you know, uh, and, and then, you know, uh, you also do speaking at different times. Anything else you want to share? And I have a couple more questions as we get close to wrapping up. But I'm missing. I want to show some pictures of your sure. uh, martial arts, though. Oh, I show that one. Oh, seeing some notes here. Somebody said Roti. Rochelle, I know her. I yes, know. indeed. Yeah. Tell her hi for me. Yes, indeed. Well, <laughs> me and you have gone on a, a, a bunch of adventures besides uh, Trinidad. Let me see if this picture... Oh, that's, your, that's wow. when your your martial arts when you were younger. Yeah. That picture right here. There you go. You know. There but, you go. And then we've gone on some adventures like this one where we went out to uh, <laughs> Fort, Fort Irwin uh, together on the Black Hawk helicopter. So yep. we've had some adventures together. But what else do you have going forward? Anything you want to share? And then I have a couple of wrap up questions. Take, I have you. Take your time, John. No rush for me. Um. No, I think, I think basically those, those are the main, and it's not really that it was different. It's just that I had to make the industry aware of it. You know, so it wasn't right. And it was about bringing it to the forefront and being comfortable doing it. But here's the one thing I did say to myself before I did that, John, I said, if I can't be myself on social media, I'm not interested, right? I am not really interested because one of the things I tell people all the time for their entire life is what makes you so special that the world can't do without it? What are you offering the world that's so special that they can't do without it or they didn't realize they needed it until you gave it to them and they saw you? And we are all so unique, John. We're all unique. All of us have something special, but that's something people have got to sit down and answer really succinctly and focus in on it and that, that answer to that one question will drive every single thing they do for the rest of their lives, right? Because the downfall of social media is there's so much information, but everybody can't be an expert. You need two or three things, concepts to focus on and then boom, and then just go after it. So I think if there is one thing I want to say that it's the ability to be able to say things like that to people that I usually always just had for myself, right? For the public to see it on social media. And, and you did share one time, and I don't know how you want to share it now, but you know, you are, uh, you're right, because who you are, you're, you're not apologetic. You, you are who you are. And like when I called you old school, I meant that in, in a complimentary way, because to me, old school was people with principles, morals, respect, um, you know, all those things that, that came from old school being. And you share that message too. And I'd love you to just kind of hit that one home because it's who you are unapologetically. The person you are uh, is powerful. Absolutely. I, I don't, it's not about what people think. Uh, you know, I, I get comments sometimes, gee, you're kind of brash, you're kind of this, you're kind of overconfident. I don't care. This is who I am. You either take me or you leave it. Go somewhere, right? It's like if you have a TV station, if you don't like the show, change it, right? right. You're still watching me and comment, just go somewhere else. That's how I've always been like that when I got into martial arts. But here's the thing, John. If people realize, right, that there is an objective reality in everything we do, Right? So it's like the world is round. Right? The world is round. It spins at a certain time around the sun, however it spins, right? And if it slows down for one minute, boom, it's gone. We're dead, right? Well, there are certain objective realities to all our life, things that we have to have. Confidence. We have to be able to think conceptually. We have to know 
how one thing connects to another, connects to another, connects to another. And once we realize these certain things that happen, that applies in nutrition, fitness, all the goals we go after, life becomes very simple, right? Once we understand that conceptual thinking. But everybody today seems to be concrete bound. It's like, what can I get for the moment, right? Instead of, okay, if I do this and I plan this, what can I see 10 steps ahead? Right? So when I walk outside, John, and I see my car, I don't just see a car. I see a car. I see the engineering that went into it. I see all the pieces that come together that somebody built that car. I see the fact that I can get into the car. I can drive down the neighborhood. I can go to a store. I can pick something up. All of that stuff is connected. Well, all of life is like that in our endeavors. We just got to find it and figure it out. Amen. Amen, brother. Um, what what else would you like to leave the audience with? Obviously, I don't know if you want to go into any uh, nutrition stuff at this point. We covered a ton of stuff, but obviously your nutrition is sure. unique. It's truly unique. Um, <laughs> you know, hey, hey and, and, and just, to, you know, I work out seven days a week, G. Yeah. Keep up with you, man. I'm working out seven days a week trying to keep up with you, but you, you are truly a role model and a unique uh, um person for health nutrition and you obviously practice what you preach yeah you know that's a good point john here's the thing look at what i just said how everything can be broken down objectively conceptually into very simple form right there's too much information and we get confused and we can't seem to wrap up and then finally that turns us off and we don't do anything here is my thing about nutrition especially as we get older eat less move more you can eat junk and still lose weight. I'm not saying eat junk, but if you understand that concept of eat less and move more, just like when we were kids, we didn't have a problem when we were kids. Why? Because we didn't walk to the mailbox, we ran. We went into a building and we looked at the steps. We didn't look at the elevator sometimes, right? We wanted to run up the steps. So if you eat less and move more, and now you have a nutrition, and so if you wanna add to that, for me, it's about eating unprocessed food as much as possible vegetables, beans, peas. I don't, I try to stay away from anything in a can, anything in packages. It's really that simple because you want to not just look good externally. You want to be healthy. You want your organs to be internally healthy because that's the reflection of what eventually happens to your face and your skin. It's really that simple. And people don't believe me when I say I don't have a whole bunch of nutritional stuff, right? All this stuff people take, fat burners, coffee, um, uh, uh, um, uh, you know, um, uh, uh, it's all these different kinds of powders and it's all in the food, brother. It's in the food, it's right. Or, 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 or in your case, the lack of food, but. Uh, <laughs> Where do they think all these nutrition things are getting all of the ingredients from? They're getting it from foods and trying to stuff it into a pill and telling you take this pill and you'll be, logically, that's not even possible, <laughs> you know? But you know, once again, the simplicity of it is so true. Eat less, move more. That's and, it. You know, and, and it's, there's so many ways you can apply that principle. You know, you can, you know, apply it two meals a day or small meals, so many ways to apply it. But at the end of the day, if you eat less and you exercise or move, you're going to be in better shape than if you eat more and don't move. Simple as that. And if they remember one other quick thing, I like to make it specific so people remember one or two things, not 10, right? Uh -huh. Your brain registers your full 15 to 20 minutes after you eat. So what typically happens is people sit down to eat a meal, they have a big plate, and they eat, oh, I'm not full yet. And then suddenly, 15, 20 minutes later, they feel stuffed. No. So if you have a big plate of food, right, just eat a little bit and wait. Wait the 15. You're going to be full. Put away the rest. Come back and eat it later. Or put it in the fridge till tomorrow, till the next day, basically. Wow, you got a lot of questions coming in. I can see it, John. Look at that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, people are, people are interested, man. Um, so... Go if on natural. If asking you something you want me to answer, just let me know. No, I think there's a lot of people just saying they love your positivity. Uh, they're commenting on what you're saying. So all that is great. Um, uh, you know, just as we finish up, G, anything you want to add? I'm, I'm going to put up your, where people can reach you and uh, be able to contact you if they want to. 
I you as an actor, um, be in touch with your social media. I'll put that up in a second. But sure. anything that you want to sum it up uh, uh, for us, because you've been on a hell of a, a journey, uh, a role model of all these things that we're talking about. When I said the six types of courage, whatever words you want to use, you know, I mean, I think you mod- you know, you exemplify them, and your life has, and you know, you have you you've been all kinds of things. You've been a a husband, a a, a fam, a father, a um, family man, you know, you've done things on all aspects of your life. You handled it all. And you, you've been a model, a role model. And I think that's what we need to be. We have to not just talk to talk, but walk to walk. And yeah. you've, walked, you've walked the walk in your life for people. And I think uh, that's why I'm honored to call you brother, man. And I'm, oh. you know, it's been, it's been a blessing to a, be part of your family and spend time with you in Trinidad. And uh, I look forward to, you know, doing it again in the future, man, but go ahead. You uh, you wrap up anything you would like to share with the audience as we finish up the uh, podcast. You gotta find things that interest you and that you want to do because you gotta love life. You gotta wake up in the morning. You gotta be driven. You, I don't have to like I said. I don't drink coffee and all of that other all of those other stimulants, right? So if you get up in the morning, go after your dreams and the things you want to do. Anybody that's not interested in those dreams, just kind of move aside. Here is what I want to do. Stop complaining all the time about anything. Think positive. Get off the news. The news is just so negative. You would feel that the world is falling apart. The world is not falling apart. More great things happen in the world every day by far than all the negative things happening all over the world by far. So if you get up with that kind of positive energy consistently and you make your way through the world, on your own and you're confident there is nothing to stop you right but you gotta make that choice man you gotta make that choice john well i think everybody that's you know you 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 had a a good um short version journey through g anthony's life and (laughs) and i'm telling you you know (laughs) you can hear his passion coming through the screen if you sit (laughs) next to him in a room it's almost like the whole room is shaking from the energy and passion that this guy has man Uh John, thank you. Thank you. I mean, you know, it's, it's social media is hard because I want to be in a room with people. And I want to strangle them like this. Wake up. <laughs> well, you know, you, 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 you're in the rooms when you get a chance. And in the meantime, you're going to do it here. But I want to thank you. I want to thank you for sharing all the things you've shared with people. But, you know, it's just I, I wanted people to meet you and, and realize that this is the way to live life with passion, to live life with, you know, uh, and like you said, Forget the negative. Turn off the news. So much good is going on. Absolutely. Find the people who are doing good and surround yourself with them. Be part of those people that are doing good and forget the rest. It isn't necessary. Forget them. And, yep. and, you know, we all have a role that we can play and we got to be part of that good. And that's, I think, whatever we do, if we can inspire people to be the best they can be at what they do, to have, like you said, have that passion, know what they're purposes and what they got to offer the world, then we can make a difference. And that's what, you, that's what you do. It You do it in acting, you do it in producing, you do it in martial arts, you do it in your family, you know, you're, you do it in every place, man. So you're, you're, you're a perfect example and you're a role model to me, man. So I appreciate you, brother. Thank you so much, John. What an honor to be on your show. Number three. Wow. <laughs> Number three. Well, you know, I, I'm, 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 like I said in the beginning, I, I got a feeling that there's going to be something coming because this is G's first podcast show, but I guarantee it won't be his last. And I'm going to bring you on some more times too in the future, but I got a feeling you're going to be going on a bunch of other ones. So G, thank you. Best to your family. All my love. And I look forward to working with you in the future, brother. Love you, John. Take care, guys. Love you too, man. Bye-bye. And that's it for uh, three with G. Anthony Joseph. I mean, what a powerful, uh, just as I wrap up this show, you know, folks, when I started this, I didn't know what I was going to do. It just came as an idea when I was up in Canada, finishing up a movie to do um, this podcast with some amazing people in my life and call it Live Courageously. And as you can see, I am honored and blessed to know people like G. Anthony and to have people like this in my my life. So uh, I just want to tell you, to listen to the lessons that he's telling you and basically find a way to apply them in your lives. You know, whether it's in fitness, whether it's in passion for your dreams, whether it's putting in the hard work, 
you know, to find a way to overcome fear and to live courageously. So thank you for watching the show. Thank you for uh, being part of this. If you enjoy it, feel free to share it. If you know anybody who would, uh, you want to recommend to have uh, on my show, please uh, let me know. And once again, um, you know, uh, I, just, um, I got a couple more messages coming in. I'll try and throw them up on the screen if it lets me. Uh, yes, it will. And so uh, here's another message and I'll give you one more. So thank you, everybody. Uh, realize we talked about the six types of courage. Live courageously. Have faith over fear. And uh, realize that you have a gifts and you have a reason to be here. Live your life. Live it with purpose. Live it with passion. And thank you so much. Have a fantastic week and God bless.